come as we tarry with our hands to the fire. Let us pray as we get started this evening. Those who would pray for us, please. Amen. Amen. Praise God, Father in heaven. Lord, we want to pause for a minute, Father God. Take time out, Father God, for our busy day, Father God. Just to say thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for just being who you are, Father God. We thank you, Lord, for your touch that woke us this morning, Father God. We thank you, Lord, for uh, just giving us uh, your spirit today, Father God. We ask you, Lord, just continue to be with us and bless us, Father God. And, and Father God, we continue to study your word, Father God. We ask you, Lord, just to quicken the spirit, Father, within us, Father God. Have us be able to be more receptive uh, to your word, Father God. Have us the word being important in us, Father we ask you, Lord, to bless pastors who being forward to make you uh, bless the Father God. We ask you, Lord, to continue to use them, Father God. Father God, for those who are viewing their Facebook, Father God, we ask you, Lord, just to bless them and keep them as well, Father God. And those who are going to be listening later on on uh, Anchor Podcast, Father God, we ask you, Lord, just to be with them as well. And Father God, we will show you your praise on Anchor in Jesus' name. Jesus. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. <coughs> amen, amen. As we continue to study Paul's letters. Man, we've made our way to the mid-term letters, I like to call them. Uh, we started off with some of Paul's earlier letters, uh, Galatians and Thessalonians, and we uh, see that Thessalonians specifically, they were a baby church, seven months to a year old, and, and under that severe persecution, although they had just heard about Jesus, you know, and, and I always like to reiterate that uh, someone start the ministry now after 2,000 years of hearing about Jesus, knowing about Jesus, got the Bible to, to study. Even if you don't study, most of our homes had a Bible in it. That's different than starting the church when you're first hearing about Jesus for the first time. In these churches, uh, specifically Thessalonians, they were just hearing about Christ. And under severe persecution, I'm talking about getting beat. Amen. Put in prison just for serving the Lord. But they were standing strong. That's our implication for us today in this comfortable, convenient world that we live in. That uh, the people in the first century church, uh, e even our grandparents, we could even just go as close as our grandparents. These people were dedicated. They were serious about serving God because they had a purpose. See, I always say peacetime brings apathy. And, but our grandparents, they will fight the struggle of freedom in this country of America. And, 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 and the only basic freedom that they really had that no one, no one could mess with, nobody couldn't come and barge in and, and, and disrupt what they were doing, that was at the church. So they spent the bulk of their time at the church because there was safety there. Well now, in this uh, culture that we're living in now, uh, freedom brings apathy. And we're so free, I mean, we can just do whatever we want to. You really don't have to come to the church for safety right now. You can go to the mall and get that. Amen. So we see uh, as people become more free and rich, we tend to move away from God. But when the pressure is on, uh, when, when, when there's a struggle, when there's a battle, when there's a mission to be accomplished, and then we flock to the church. Amen. Amen. But I, I thank God that since he called me, amen, in 1996, I've been here ever since. Hallelujah. Amen. So as we uh, look at this book of Ephesians, which is written to the people who live in the city of Ephesus, Paul's this is going to 
Paul's third missionary journey. And Paul is taken up with the overwhelming goodness of God in Christ, how he has showered the believers with love and grace and mercy. God's amazing plan to unite, to bring together, to unite Jews and Gentiles. That's what this book is trying to get across. Paul is trying to get across uh, throughout all the schism and ism that was going on. Paul is trying to get across that God's plan, not his plan, but God's plan was to bring Jews and Gentiles together in one family. Though Paul wrote it from prison, this letter is full of joy and praise and thanksgiving because that's the Christian mindset. No matter where we are, Paul wrote in another part of one of his books, I've learned to be content in all areas, amen? So we see that uh, Paul is encouraging the uh, Ephesians to do the same thing. Although he's in prison, he's still, this letter is still full of joy and praise and thanksgiving. So as Paul uh, began on his third missionary journey, which, which was about A.D. 53 through A.D. 57, uh, Paul spent some time, some great time in Ephesus. And where Ephesus was is what we call Turkey today. That would be the uh, area where Ephesus was. And Ephesus was the fourth largest city in the Roman Empire. Think about that. And it said, the note said that Ephesus had about 500,000 people. It was the fourth largest city in the Roman Empire. After uh, Paul spent three years there, it was very difficult and once again, Paul encountered all type of opposition. Although Ephesus was a huge city, Ephesus was not a nice city to Christians. Amen? Uh, once again, just want to reiterate as we read this book of Ephesians, just bear in mind that the point, the main point that Paul is trying to make is that God's plan through Christ is to bring Jews and Gentiles together. Now we also have to bear in mind that there were still those stiff-necked arrogant Jews who did not accept Christ. And of course there were still those rude and obnoxious uh, so free Gentiles that would not accept Christ. But God in his sovereign plan because remember now, the Bible teaches us about the book of life, that God has all our names already written in. Amen. And, and when he finished writing our names in it, he sealed, he closed it and sealed it. That's what we read about in Revelation chapter 5, when the Lamb was found worthy. Amen. In the, the Revelation uh, 20 talks about the books and the book of life. And all the people's names, all those Jews who was going to accept Christ, they named in that book. From the beginning, God didn't wait to see if they was going to do it. All of this, watch this, let me use this word that a lot of Christians have a problem with. All of this was predestined. <laughs> Pre-meaning before, the prefix pre-meaning before, destined meaning end. So before anything started, God knew I would end. That's what the word predestined means, predestinate, predestination. Amen? We also talked in our uh, uh, review, our opening, that 
the letter of Ephesus, the, the letter of Ephesians, is somewhat like the Magna Carta. And the Magna Carta, uh, in England, King John had become so powerful, the people were about ready to rebel. They were on the verge of civil war. But what the, the document that they drafted, because the king just had total uh, power, supreme power. And, and he was doing anything he wanted to do. And the people had gotten tired of it because it's okay when you have a good king who, whose best interest is for the kingdom. But when you have a rude, selfish king, the people suffer, the Bible says. So in England, uh, around that uh, 13th century, in the year 1215, they got tired of it and they were on the brink of civil war. And they convinced King John to sign the Magna Carta, or the important charter, the Mega Charter, which basically says it's not only are the laws supposed to govern the uh, lay people, that the king had to have some kind of rules and laws that he had to follow to. And this is what the uh, book of Ephesians is. The book of Ephesians is the letter of freedom. That those Jews who accept Christ, Paul's going to talk about it, there is freedom in Christ. Hallelujah. The Bible says all those that Christ uh, has set free, that we are free indeed. Hallelujah. And then there was those Gentiles, because Paul, remember Paul was specifically ordained by God to preach to the Gentiles. That was his specific mission. Amen. So those, those Gentiles that believed the word of Christ, they came into the family of God as well. And it uh, was total freedom. This letter is a freedom letter that Paul has wrote to the church in Ephesus. So we've made it. Uh, last week we had a chance to read chapters 1 and 2. Uh, I, I am going to try my bestest to maybe get to chapters three and four, amen? But I definitely want to do chapter three, so let's go ahead and get started. Uh, Ephesians chapter three, we start right at verse one. Everybody ready? Amen, the Bible says, when I think of all this, amen, Paul, Paul starts off chapter three by saying, when I think of all this. Well, when he thinks of all of what? Let's kind of revert back to chapter two momentarily. Uh, chapter 2 begins with the first paragraph begins with the thought being made alive in Christ. Being made alive in Christ. We get down to verse 11. That starts a new paragraph or a new thought. And he says oneness and peace in Christ. So made alive in Christ. And then there's oneness and peace in Christ. And then when you get to that 19th verse, which is the third uh, paragraph, he says a temple for the Lord that the people of God are the temple that God lives in. That's why the Bible says that our bodies are the temple of God, because God lives in us. Hallelujah. So when Paul, when chapter 3 opens up, and Paul says, when I think of all this, it's really mind-boggling how we are made alive in Christ. It's really a thought-provoking how we have oneness and peace in Christ. It is really moving to understand that God lives in us through the power of the rule of through the Holy Spirit, that God lives in human beings. Hallelujah. So Paul opens up chapter 3 by saying, when I think of all this, I call a prisoner. Once again, he confesses that he's not only uh, captivated 
are captured by Christ, but he's actually in prison, literally. Amen. He says that uh, for Jesus Christ, for the benefit, Paul is saying, I'm going through all I'm going through uh, because it benefits you Gentiles. Amen. So he says, for the benefit of you Gentiles, verse 2, assuming by the way that you know God gave me special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles may not even know. Matter of fact, I'm reading uh, from the New Living Translation. Uh, if you're a little confused on the word, if you have a King James, uh, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, that way we would be able to glean uh, more because it, 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 it reads in the vernacular that we speak in 2021. So Paul is saying in verse 2, I am assuming that y'all do know God sent me so that y'all can hear about Jesus. And the reason that that's so important is because Peter and them, stiff-necked Jews, they was only going to minister to the Jews, which really what they fought, because they were called to do that. But Paul was specifically called to minister to Gentiles. Amen? So he says, I hope y'all know, I'm here for your benefit. Amen? Verse 3, as I briefly wrote earlier, come on, everybody say, God himself. God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. God himself knocked Paul off his beast on the Damascus road, made him blind. He had to follow men. Men had to lead him to the house where he was going to get healed. So it's God himself who revealed this plan to Paul. Verse 4 says, as you read what I have written, as you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now, time-sensitive word, but now, by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. Kodeshim, to his holy men, hallelujah. To his holy apostles and prophets. Verse six says, and this is God's plan. Uh-oh, come on, get a pen, get a highlighter. The sentence says, this is God's plan. Some of us don't know what God's plan is. Paul finna tell us what it is in Ephesians. Verse 6 starts off again. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally. Everybody say equally. Share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both Jew and Gentile are part of the same body and both in, enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ. Amen? Verse 7, by God's grace and mighty power, he, I'm sorry, I have been given the privilege, hallelujah, it is definitely an honor and a privilege to be a spokesperson. <coughs> I can speak how Paul is speaking right now. It is an honor and a privilege, hallelujah, to be a mouthpiece for God, of serving him by spreading the good news. Now that's how we know when we're working for God in this dispensation, because we're spreading the good news. Amen. In Moses' dispensation, uh, he was right for spreading the law. Amen. In Abraham's dispensation, he was right to continue telling the, uh, uh, the, the generations about the promise. 
But we live in under Christ now, and we have to be, be able to tell people about the good news. Amen. It's okay to go in the Old Testament and teach about the law, but to tell people how to live, we have to be able to live according to the new dispensation, and that is under the Evangelion of Jesus Christ, the good news, the gospel, according to Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ the Messiah. Both are part of the same body. Verse 7, by God's grace and mighty power, he has given us the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. Verse 8, though I am the least deserving of all of God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available for them to all of us in Christ. Once again, I feel just like Paul. That God would choose me. Now, you don't have to go around town talking about me because I know I'm not no good. So when you say it, I'm going to agree with you. I don't know why God chooses me to do this. I don't understand. All I know is I want to be a willing vessel. Hallelujah. But why God chose me, there's no goodness about me. There's no righteousness about me. I'm not that smart. Hallelujah. God chose me. Amen. So I depend on him every time I stand at, the, uh, at a sacred altar in the most holy. I just open my mouth. He say, don't worry about what you're going to say. Just speak. Hallelujah. And as long as we feel with his word, when you read his word and you get saturated with his word, when you open your mouth, that's what's going to come out. It's a true saying, whatever we put in, that's what's going to come out. Amen. Amen. Somebody needed to hear that. Whatever you put in, that's what's going to come out. Hallelujah. And if you're not putting no word in, when tragedy and trouble come, no wonder you got nothing to put out because you're not putting nothing in. So I admonish and encourage you right now, please make us a, a time in each and every one of your days where you saturate yourself with God's word. And look, for baby Christians, for those of us that start off with a little faith, just read one paragraph. Make sure you get one paragraph in with understanding. Sometimes you try to read a whole book, but you're trying to go so fast because you live in a fast-paced world that you're really not digesting it. So just read small amounts so you can digest it better. No need to read a whole book if you're not going to get no understanding. How many of you heard in the Bible it says, in all you'll get, make sure you get an understanding. Amen. So he says in verse 9. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen. An understanding. Amen. Hath kept secret from the beginning. Amen. Amen. Verse 10. God's purpose in all this was to use the church. Uh oh. I'm going to read verse 10 again. Let's start at verse 10 again now. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was his eternal plan which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. God is revealing things, watch this now, he says to unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. He's proven what a righteous God he is. How? Through the church. Did you catch that? Through the church. We are God's ambassadors. We are God's representatives. We, we, we are the banner that waves to the world how good God is. So let me, once again, let me, let me encourage you Christians real, real quick. Let me, let me encourage you. We really have to be mindful 
that we don't go out into the world making God look bad, i.e., always complaining. Well, what the, un what the unsaved world hears is, uh, your God ain't good enough. If you always complain about what's going on in your life, if you ain't never happy, if you always miserable and sad, and, and, and always going through, every time somebody sees a child, I'm going through, well, what the unsaved world here is, your God ain't that good. You always sick. Amen. Always broke. Hallelujah. Something in the house always broke. Well, I mean, if we serve a God of restoration, a God of forgiveness, a God of love and grace and mercy, watch this, I said this the other day. One thing that we have to be able to come to realize is we're living in the dispensation of grace. God's time period. And, and I, I, I kind of explained it just now when I talked about uh, Abraham and, and uh, the law man, Moses. I, you know, the dispensation of man goes in the beginning with Adam and Eve, innocence, after they bit of the forbidden fruit, consciousness, uh, after God reached out to them by seeing if they could govern themselves after they sinned, then he had to sin in human government, and then after human government didn't work, uh, he sent the promise uh, through Abraham. He just, God said, listen, I'm going to just make a promise. I already see throughout all these hundreds of years, y'all ain't going to act right, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to make a promise that I'm going to bless the whole world through one man, through his seed. It don't say seeds with an S. It says through his seed, and that seed is Christ. And then in the dispensation of law, he gave Moses the law and stones of tablets, that if the people may be able to look at those tablets every day and see the laws written down from God, that that may help us to act right. How many of y'all can tell the truth and say that didn't work either? Hallelujah. But God already knew our hearts. And these are not afterthoughts. God knew that he was gonna send his son and Jesus ushered in the dispensation of grace. That's the time period with God that we're living in. Now, let me tell you the challenge with that. All of us want to accept God's grace from heaven. Oh, I'm, I'm under grace, and that's true. We all want to accept God's grace from heaven. But do you realize that us living in the dispensation of grace means that we're supposed to be gracious toward one, toward one another? It's the dispensation of grace which means unmerited favor. That I'm going to love you even when you don't deserve it. That's God's grace. Giving us what we don't deserve. That's another definition of grace. Unmerited favor is one. Giving us what we don't deserve is another. Hallelujah. Amen. Verse 12. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly, hallelujah, I'll go that word again, boldly and freely before the throne. This, uh, the, the NLT that I'm reading says, boldly and confident into God's presence. Verse 13, so please don't lose heart because of my trials. I am suffering for you, so you need to feel honored. This is what Paul is telling you. Uh, the Ephesians. He's saying, listen, don't lose heart. Don't get discouraged because I'm in prison. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes when they got the patriarch, when they got the, the matriarch, we get a little down, we get a little depressed. Remember when Jesus went, when Jesus died? 
the, the, the uh, apostles went back fishing. Amen. When what when Dr. King died, when they when they assassinated Dr. King, we thought we thought it was all over. Hallelujah. He's saying, listen, don't lose heart just because your leader is in jail. He said, I'm in jail for your sake. Amen. So be encouraged. Hallelujah. Be encouraged. Verse 14. When I think of all this, uh oh, there he go thinking again. He said, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. Verse 16, he says, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower us with inner strength through his Holy Spirit. Amen. Come on, somebody just say one time, I got the power. And it's not bragging. It's not being prideful. Long as we admit that the power we have is the Jesus of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. Amen. I have no power of my own. Amen. I always <coughs> like to quote uh, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 8.17 and Deuteronomy 8.18. Deuteronomy 8.17 says, it's my hands that got this wealth. In other words, I'm the one wake up early in the morning going to work. I did that heat. I did all this. Verse 18 says, you better remember it's the Lord that gave you the power to go out and obtain wealth. And I love that last part. It says, because that's how I established the covenant that I made with your forefathers. So once again, I want to encourage you. A lot of times we bless because mama them was blessed. God made a promise. He, matter of fact, it wasn't even really just to mama them. Oh, Lord. As a people. And, 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 and not trying to be offensive or racist, but I, I have to say it this way. As a people, black people, we really don't know our culture, our lineage, our bloodline from far back. Uh, it was one of the purpose tools that America used to keep us uh, under oppression. Don't let you know about <coughs> your history. You, you don't know where you come from. Amen. Amen. Most of us can't pass our great-grandparents. A lot of us can't even pass our grandparents. But I want you to know that your daddy had a daddy who had a daddy who had a daddy who had a daddy who had a daddy. I can go all the way back with daddies and then watch this. Now I got to come and say your mama had a mama and a mama and a mama. In, in artists in America, we just don't know. It's part of our problem. People, when we watch the news and we see us killing each other, as listen, as, as, as ignorant as this may sound, it actually has to do with our psyche that we really don't know who we are. Now I know that may sound so uh, superficial, a superficial excuse for why we're killing each other as black people out in the street. Because we'll shoot another brother before we shoot anybody else. Hallelujah. But part of the reason psychologically uh, and deep down inside in our sukkah uh, and our soul <laughs> Our mind, will, intellect, emotions, passions, desires, and appetite. Deep down in there, we don't know who we are, and that is frustrating. Frustrating. So it's imperative that we begin to teach bloodline to our children. Amen. Amen. So he says, I pray, hallelujah. Then Christ will make his home. Uh oh. Then, another time-sensitive word. So this implies that after something happens, let's make sure we understand. Let's go back and start at verse 15 again. Uh, verse 16, I'm sorry. 
I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower us with inner strength through his spirit. Then, once we've been empowered by his spirit, amen, and then the time-sensitive word in verse 17 comes in, then, come on, somebody say after that. That's what this then means. After we've been empowered by the spirit, then Christ will make his home in our hearts as we trust in him. I said, I made this statement. I don't know if it was this Sabbath or last Sabbath when I preached or one before, but God put it on my heart. Uh, I was just walking around the house doing something and, and minding my business. And of course, you know, being a preacher, I, I feel I'm, I'm always speaking with the Lord in my heart. I'm always meditating with God in my heart. And, and I asked in my heart, just by myself, just, you know how we talk to ourselves, you know. I said, how do I learn to trust you? He said, by trusting. You learn to trust God by trusting God. Meaning, each and every time you trust him, the next time you need to just trust him. In, in other words, it gets easier. Practice makes perfect. And you need to practice trusting God. Hallelujah. Come on, y'all out there. All y'all who just got over that COVID, you've had to practice trusting God. Hallelujah. Because from all we hear on the news, if you get COVID, you're going to die. And I know you were scared. I know. I know. And if you wasn't, you should have been. So don't get all over spiritual on me. Tell me, no, I wasn't scared. Yeah, you should have been if you wasn't. Because people who get COVID die. But what you did is you remembered how God blessed you last time. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and when you remembered what God has done for you in the past, it's easy to know how to trust him right now in the present. And even in the future, because next time something, listen, when, oh, Lord have mercy, y'all with COVID, boy, y'all going to be something to deal with when y'all get back here at Sabbath rest, because now you got evidence, you know for yourself what, what God can do for you. Hallelujah. So next time in the future, when you have a problem coming up in your life, you're going to be able to look at that thing and say, I know God got it. You ain't going to worry about it. You ain't going to talk about it. You ain't going to stress about it. Why? Because you know God got it. How you know God got it? Because he had the last thing. My pastor used to say, the only thing we have to fear for the future is to forget how he led us in the past. Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. So he says, then Christ will make his home in our hearts as we trust him. And the more we trust him, the more he grows inside of us. Hallelujah. Verse 18, uh, well, let me finish the other part of verse 17. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Deep, deep roots in God's love. Trust him. Amen. Trust him. Then, hallelujah, verse 18 says, and may you have the power to understand as God's people should. God's people should understand that they can trust him. We can trust God. Now listen, I am in no way implying that it's easy. Because watch this, in Psalm 23, when he comes back and says he restores my soul, that's because the writer got nervous at one point. <coughs> and every now and then when things happen in life, yeah, we get a little uneasy. But right away, God will restore your soul and the Holy Spirit, watch this, what's one of the Holy Spirit's job? To bring us into all remembrance. 
That's right. And, and the Holy Spirit is going to bring you into remembering what God has done for you in the past. And when you, when you start realizing and thinking about what God has done for you in the past, you can take this thing right here like a champ. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Somebody say, I'm a champion. Amen. God has done it. Hallelujah. So he says that your roots will grow down in God's love and keep you strong. Verse 18, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, and this is what we should understand, the four-dimensional love of God. Now see on earth, right now, the best they got for 3D, they trying 4D. Amen. Now he says, we're going to be able to understand as God's people when the Holy Spirit starts working deep down inside of us, how wide, how high, how long, and how deep God's love for us is. Amen. Amen. As a baby Christian, you really don't understand. But as we grow and we matriculate through our Christian life and we start to uh, uh, see the things that God is bringing us out of, that he's bringing us through, amen, then he says that then we will begin to understand how deep is his love, amen, how, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Verse 19 says, may you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, that's right. That's why you just got to trust it. Don't try to figure it out. Don't try to figure God out. God works, they say it mysterious ways, but I'm telling you, that word don't give it justice how God works. God will use, as he said, as Paul said in Romans chapter 1, he'll use the small things of the world to confound the minds of the wise. Don't try to figure him out. Amen. Then, oh, another time-sensitive word, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And that's the kind of power we want. We want the kind of power that comes from God, not from money, not from alcohol and drugs, not from us uh, 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 being popular in the city. Amen? We want the power that comes from God. Whether things are up or whether things are down, I can count on God. Whether I'm rich or whether I'm poor, I can count on God. Whether I'm healthy or whether I'm sick, I can count on God. Hallelujah. No matter what life circumstance is, we can count on God. Hallelujah. Verse 20 says, Now, all glory to God who is able. You ain't sin, ain't he able? <laughs> and he's what? Willing. Amen. Though his mighty power at work within us to accomplish indefinitely, uh, inf 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 infinitely more than we might ask or think. Verse 21. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through what? All generations forever and ever. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Come on, let's go ahead and roll right into chapter 4. Paul starts off by saying, therefore, and remember we was taught uh, that whenever we see the word uh, therefore, which it's usually at the beginning of a chapter, at the beginning of a paragraph, therefore, well, he's getting ready to make a conclusion now. Out of everything that we've read thus far, he comes to chapter 4 and he says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Listen, 
we, we really and truthfully as Christians can't just live any kind of way. We need to have a special uh, way of living. Now, now let's bring that up to the leadership. We really have to watch how we live in the world, out in the world, amen? Hey, come on, say amen. We don't have the luxury to do what everybody else is doing and get away with it. Why? Because we represent God to the people. Amen. So don't be no loose pastor. Come on. Come on. Somebody, somebody who in the room with a preacher or a pastor, punch him and tell him, don't be no loose preacher. Don't be no loose pastor. Hallelujah. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with one another. Make allowances for each other's fault because of your love. Okay, we may not get no further into chapter 4. Now, I'm going to try to say this as, as, as diplomatically and as, as quick as I can. Uh, let's read verse 2 again. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with one another, making allowances for each other's faults because you love that person. That's why we're going to put up with each other, because we love one another. That's all. I'm not going to give you love because you deserve my love. No, you don't. And then neither do I deserve yours. But let's stop throwing each other away. Let's stop putting each other, especially the household of God, amen? Especially those that's in the household of God. Now, it's time for some of us to mature. If you're listening out there in Facebook land, and you know who you are because I've talked to you about it before, it's time for some of us to mature. Now, we have been saved since the 90s. We have been in church since the late 90s or the early 2000s. Now, it's time for us to mature. Paul said when he was a child, he talked like a child, he acted like a child, he says, but when he became a man, when he matured, he had to put some of them childish thoughts and beliefs away. Listen, you, you no longer have to protect yourself from how you grew up. And some of us are still, we so busy, still dealing with the hangups of our past. Listen to me. Don't get mad, get educated. Some of us, we so busy, hung up on what has happened to us in the past, you cannot move forward into your future that God has for you. And we've talked about this several times. Mature. Stop being that person that you were when you first got saved. That was okay when you first got saved. But it's time for us to mature now. Put some of those things down. Stop some of that old language we're using. Amen. All right. Verse 3. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, with peace. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. Verse 5 says there is one Lord, there is one faith. There is one baptism. Verse 6 says, one God and Father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. All who accept Christ. Amen. 
not trying to add nothing to the word, but I, I want to make sure people understand. This scripture ain't talking about all human beings. It's talking about Christ living, uh, God living through all of us that have accepted Christ. Hallelujah. Verse 7. However, he has been, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That's why the scripture says when he ascended to the heights, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to his people. Verse 9 says, notice that it says that he ascended, he went up. This clearly <coughs> means that Christ also descended to the lower world. To the lower parts of the earth, I think the, the term that the King James used. Let me let me let me see something real, real fast. Let me, uh, 
Let me look at something real quick. Because I want to look at all of these different versions to see. Okay. Let's use Luke 23:43. Let's use Luke 23:43. Now, in Luke 23, 43, that's the scripture where Jesus tells the thief on the cross, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. That's the NIV, the New, the New International Version. The NLT, the New Living Translation, says paradise. The Berean Study Bible says paradise. The King James says paradise. The New King James says paradise. The NASB, the New American Standard, paradise. Uh, watch this. Even the Amplified which is notorious for changing words for our vernacular, uh, it says paradise. I, I'm scrolling through, and I'm looking at about 30 versions of the Bible, and each and every one of them says paradise. If, if he wanted to say heaven or imply heaven, uh, he, he could have done that. So now we have to distinguish what is this paradise that he's talking about. So, oh boy. Let's, let me give you the short, quick version. Now, you're going to have to go study this on your own because this is really not what the class is about. But I like to open people's minds to this as I teach this each and every time. This paradise was a holding chamber under the earth where all of God's holy people from the Old Testament went when they died because heaven wasn't open yet. The only ones that went to heaven was Enoch and Elijah because they didn't die. They was translated. All of, uh, all of God's other Kodeshim, holy men, they went to paradise. Uh, Abraham, Moses. Remember, that's a parable now. That's a parable. Jesus is using a parable uh, to be able to explain uh, Abraham and, and the beggar. When he talks about how one is in this schism, one in the, I'm sorry, chasm, one is in this chasm, one is in this chasm, and he says, please let me dip my finger and cool me off and go tell my brothers. Y'all know that story. That's a parable. You do not gain theological principles from parables. Parables are told to make a specific point, a theological point, but you don't use the story of a parable as theological truth because it's a story that Jesus uses to, uh, to captivate the mind of the audience because he would tell agricultural parables to farmers. Uh, he would tell uh, 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 different type parables for whatever audience he was, he was speaking to. So when we talk about this paradise now, this is the holding chamber where all the Old Testament saints went that died. This is why when uh, Saul, when King Saul in the Old Testament went to the witch of Endor, it says that the prophet's spirit came up. All right, all right, all right. So this is what it means when it says Jesus led captivity captive. Because when Jesus was in the tomb for three days and three nights, the implication is he did not stay there. He went down, and we all know he went and got the keys from, from the enemy. But he didn't go to Hades. He didn't go to Sheol. Uh, to the, well, he didn't show his grave. He didn't go to Hades, which is the other word, or, or Gehenna. He, he, he didn't go. He went to paradise, to the holding chamber, and he led captivity captive. In other words, what he's saying, all those Old Testament saints that had died 
in, uh, believing in God, uh, Jesus led them out of paradise and he led them into heaven because now through Christ, heaven is now open that when Christians die, our spirits and our souls go to heaven. Heaven wasn't open. Now you can do your own study. I know it sounds hard. I had to study this. Because it's been like what? I ain't never heard that before. Well, when you study what he's talking about right here, about not before before he ascended, he descended, he went down, study that. And, and that's about all the time I can spend on it. But I want to encourage you, study that. You're going to learn something. Amen. 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 Uh see where I left off there. Amen. So he says that verse 10, and the same one who descended is also he who ascended on high uh, than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Verse 11, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Now let's slow down and make sure we grab this stuff now. These are the gifts that Christ left for the church. Number one, he left apostles. Now, there was a teaching, there still may be the belief that there's no more apostles because the apostles, a lot of people believe, were only those 12 guys that walked with Christ. They, a lot of people teach that there's no more apostles these days. I don't, I don't believe that. We have an apostle that 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 I believe uh, in for other, and because he fits the criteria. Now, what I will say at this juncture is, if you don't fit the qualification, don't give yourself the title, just because the title sounds good. Watch this: the apostle are divinely commissioned missionary evangelists who have got their call from God, whether it was in a vision or a dream. You got the call from God, and you not only got the call, you received the call and you went to other places and established other ministries. That's what apostles do. Apostles have to be evangelistic in nature, in other words. Just because you're a pastor, that don't make you an apostle. A pastor has his own definition, and I'm gonna get to it in a minute. So an apostle, they are divinely commissioned missionary evangelists. An apostle does not only preach at his home church. Or, or watch this. It don't make you an apostle because you go preach other people anniversaries. Anniversaries and stuff like that, not even in the Bible. So when it comes to being scriptural, to me, that don't even count. We will preach vehemently. Only lift up God, only reverence God. And then you have all these programs for men lifting them up. So I'm not understanding that, but whatever. An apostle is someone, listen, this is the criteria that I have learned is what an apostle is. You have heard from God, whether it was in a vision or a dream, and you have established in other cities, in other countries, ministry. I didn't make it up. Study the, study the prerequisites for, for an apostle for yourself. And I personally know one in the city of Port Now I'm not saying the others are not. That's not my business. I just know that this person 
meets the qualifications. Amen. The prophet. The prophet speaks God's messages to the people. Once again, to be the prophet, to get the message from God, you have to be able to hear from God. You have to be able to hear from God in a vision or in a dream, and you now go out and you vehemently tell other people. Prophets really don't have churches. That's, that's, that's really the minor difference between an apostle and a prophet. Is a, a prophet normally don't have a home church. A prophet, a prophet basically is really hardly ever a senior pastor. Now, I'm not saying that none are not. But prophets go around speaking for God to the whole people, not just to one church. The prophet speaks to the world. Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. Uh, an evangelist. An evangelist specifically goes out and teaches the evil angelion, the good news, the gospel, according to Jesus Christ. To evangelize means what that woman at the well did when Jesus told her all about herself, how, to, how she, she he, Jesus said, you're right, you're not married, because you got five men right now. And the Bible says after Jesus had told her everything about herself, she ran into the town and she told everybody about a man that had told her about herself. That's the evangelist. You go everywhere telling people about Jesus. Hallelujah. You evangelize him. And then after the evangelist comes the pastor. Now the pastor is basically the primary leader of a flock of people. That's the pastor's role. The pastor is a primary overseer of a specific flock. Uh, the word the word actually means, literally, it means shepherd. The word pastor actually means shepherd. And then it says teacher. You notice, especially in the King James, it says there were some to be apostles, some to be evangelists, some to be prophets, some to be pastors, common teachers. That's, that's in the King James. That's the closely translated. These newer versions take liberties. But the closely translated from the original text says, some to be apostles, some to be evangelists, some to be prophets, some to be pastors, comma, teachers. And, and, and I have been taught what that means, what that implies is, is that everybody needs to be able to teach. The apostle needs to be, the apostle needs to be able to teach God's word, the, the, the evangelist, the prophet, and the pastor, we need to be proficient at teaching. This is what one of my pastor friends told me one day. He said, Chad, there can be teaching with no preaching, but there should never be preaching with no teaching. Teaching God's word is uh, applicable in every form that we, that we use in the church. I don't care what the venue is. I don't care what the celebration is. If we gotta lift up Jesus Christ, no matter what we're here for. Amen. Hallelujah. So those are the prerequisites or qualifications for these titles that we like to give ourselves. Now this is not trying to be offensive. This is simply teaching what the Bible says. Amen. Who, who made you? Who made you a spokesman for God? He did. <laughs> that, ain't that what they say about Jesus? 
Where he get this wisdom? Who is this man talking to us like this? Jesus, God anointed. Amen. So he says, uh, verse 12, the responsibility is to equip the people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That's why God, that's why Jesus left gifts for the church, for the building up and for the edification of the church. Each and every one of us should be playing a positive role in the church. Amen. He'll go another time, sensitive word, verse 14. Then, after we've been built up by the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher, then, verse 14 says, we will no longer be immature like children. I'm going to stop right there. Once we do that, we will no longer be immature like children. Now, some of us need to learn the difference between having fun and being childish. Now, I don't really want to get to my point in, the, in my Christian walk to where I look like I've been baptized in pickle juice. All sour and sanctimonious. I really don't want to get like that. I like having fun. I love laughing. I love having a good time. But I need to understand that as the senior pastor, I, there's limits to the good times I can have. Hallelujah. So I'm learning that uh, I have to mature. Not act mature, but be mature. Grow up, children of God. Jesus is coming. Hallelujah. He's closer than when we first believed. Hallelujah. So once again, thank you for tuning in. I pray that this helped you a little bit. We got to do a chapter and a half. We'll finish chapter four. We'll go into chapter five next week. God bless and spare life. We don't want to be presumptuous. Amen. Amen. So I want to put it all in his hands. Amen. So we thank you for tuning in. May God bless you and keep you as our hope and our prayer. We pray for you, Dee. Amen. We pray for you. Hang in there, brother. God bless you, man. We love you. Randall's good job fighting that COVID, beat it off like a bad child. Amen. CC and Trey whipped it like it wasn't nothing. Amen. Gianna, AJ, Sanai, and Risha, we praying for you. We think you still got a little uh, residual hang-up. But we praying for you, sis. God got you, amen? He's got you in the palm of your hand. And if there's anybody named that I miss, you may be going through. Charge it to my head and not my heart. We pray for you. We got that prayer line going in the morning. Call in. We praying. Got the prayer line on Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday night. Call in. We praying for you. But more importantly, you need to be praying for yourselves. Hallelujah. So we thank God for each of you and your strength. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. We trust you. We honor you. We bless you. We magnify you. And we're waiting on you to come and get us. And Father, as we leave this place, Lord, but never from your presence, Father, we ask that you allow your Holy Spirit to rest, rule, and abide with each and every one of us, both now and forevermore. We believe in your healing power. We put all of our people in your hands, God, knowing, Father, that you only strengthen us through the trials that we have to go through. 
So we thank you, we love you, we trust you, we adore you, and we waiting on you to come and get us. In the mighty name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ the Messiah, we pray.